are ready to start our work session for Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. And the item that we have on our agenda is just reviewing recommendations for the OIR group, CPRB, and the police preliminary plan, which is uh, a part of IP3. And um, I, I wanted to just um, let us know that we have 88 items that we have to kind of talk about. Um, I did appreciate staff going through and kind of color coding some things for us. Um, and so there, um, I'm gonna call it teal and tan. So teal is what the uh, staff went through and um, would be recommended that we kind of get, take some action now. And then the tan is more actionable items needed in the future. Um, I, th I think as we go through this, um, we're just gonna, um, I, I think we just have to be communicative with each other just to let us know how, you know, what our thoughts are, but I, I, I would caution us not to get too much in the weeds or to make um, um, maybe some judgment calls. Um, I think it's really to organize and to try to figure out how we can move forward um, in the future. So I'm gonna turn it over to Jeff, um, our city manager. Yeah, thanks, Mayor. Um, so again, I agree with uh, what Mayor Teague just said. It's not realistic that we're going to be able to spend time debating um, 88 different recommendations tonight, but um, there, there does need to be um, some organization to them, some prioritization, uh, if you will. So. Um, staff did uh, provide the sheets that are in your, your packet. Um, we color-coded them. We, we kind of provided um, some guidance to you, but you know, to be clear, these are recommendations to you from, from outside groups um, with the exception of the preliminary plan. So you should look at those with a critical eye. You may disagree with how staff characterized them or um, what our suggestions may be. That was done solely to try to, to, to help you through this organizational process. Um, what I would suggest for tonight um, is that we start with the Community Police Review Board recommendations and then move to OAR, OIR, sorry. And, um, uh, you know, depending on how you're feeling, if you want to continue to go through the preliminary plan, uh, we can do that. Um, otherwise, we can hold that for another session down the road. Uh, but I do believe the CPRB recommendations and OIR recommendations are, are, are most critical at this time to get some, get some feedback on, at least get us, get, get us working in those. Um, what I would suggest is that, you know, if, if it's very clear that council wants a certain direction, that, that you, make that, you make that known. Otherwise, we can kind of categorize these as, as staff go ahead and initiate work on these items or um, you know, place, maybe place a, a topic or a group of topics on a, a pending list that we can schedule for a future work session where you can get a little bit more detailed in your discussion on these. Um, if that sounds okay, then I think we can start with, with CPRB and work through um, those 13 recommendations first. Okay, and we, we do have um, uh, the, um, spreadsheets available um, that Kelly can screen share if you prefer. I don't know if you all have those in front of you or not, or if you prefer to see each other while you're interacting. Um, but what's the, is there, is there some folks that would like to see those up on the screen as we work through them? 
Do you all you all have those? Okay, so maybe I'll just read them. I can just read the recommendations. That way the, the public can hear them too. And, um, and then we can go from there. Uh, so recommendation number one is in instances of sustained misconduct complaint, the board should be given information about the corresponding discipline and be allowed to include the uh, in the board report whether the board finds the discipline reasonable and fair. Um, our recommendation on this one is that you um, pursue some legal uh, review uh, before making comments on that. Um, and you can choose to ask the city attorney's office to do that, or, or if you prefer you know, some other mechanism to getting legal opinion, you can uh, certainly go that route too. I would like to see us get the legal review um, on any of these where that's recommended. And I'm very comfortable with having the city attorney's office do that. Jeff, would the concerns be the confidentiality uh, to uh, those involved? Yeah, Eleanor, do you wanna talk about the nature of the legal review? No, it's not a question of confidentiality at this stage. There may be issues that are part of the legal review. Um, but I mean, just to remind you, I think you would you would hope that you would get some of that analysis from the the CPRB's um, independent counsel, and they, they chose not to provide that. And so we, we have to get the legal review sometime. I'm certainly willing to do that, or you would have to look at, at hiring outside counsel to do that. So is there a consensus to get legal review from city attorney's office on that before council takes it up? And then once that legal review is done, we would schedule work session time. Okay. Yeah. I, I wonder if it might be helpful if we actually had all the items posted as we're going through, um, instead of you reading each one, we may be able to kind of go through a few a little quicker. Some, some are overlapping, um, maybe not so much here, but, um, in other areas, they're overlapping. Okay, yep, uh, Kelly's got those on the screen now. So the first three, um, staff would recommend you, you get legal review before you uh, take these topics up. The second one deals with uh, the city council holding a disciplinary hearing uh, when there's a discrepancy between the, the, um, the board and either the police chief or city manager. And then uh, third is that, um, uh, uh, there be discipline if an officer uh, chooses not to uh, re, uh, um, comply with a uh, board investigation process. So again, with those two, we'd recommend legal analysis before you start your conversations on those. And just to frame up what we're doing with the legal review, the intention is to figure out um, if we currently would have the authority even to implement that or if there are some um, changes to whether it's our ordinance or state law even that would be required in order to implement that. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Thank you. Okay. Um, item number four, and, and if, if you don't have it in front of you, remember that the, the CPRB just didn't give you 13 recommendations without any 
background to um, you should have access to their full memo to you that has all the rationale we simply mm -hmm. didn't include that um, with with this one um, uh, number four is um, a recommendation that the complainant should have the right to respond to the chief's findings before the board conducts the uh, you know their their analysis and we don't object to that um, um, and as the board noted in their more detailed analysis, um, there's there's a rationale then to allow the police chief to respond to any concerns then the complainant brings up as well. And, and we would we would think that that would would be fair in the process. Um, CPRB acknowledged that this is going to stretch out the complaint process uh, potentially, you know, by several weeks. And and I think that's clear uh, when you when you offer this. But but staff does not object to it. Uh, so, for, and there's no legal review needed in, in this situation. So um, if, if you know that this is something you support now, then you can just direct us and we can put that on the list of things to do in terms of updating the, the CPRB ordinance. Otherwise, we can schedule it for a work session if you want to have a more robust discussion on it. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any issues here. Yeah, I think this is reasonable. It good, would be good to include. Yes, I agree. Okay. So th this will not move to work session. This will move to an ordinance amendment, and you'll see that at a, a future formal meeting. Okay, uh, number five is another one in which uh, we believe legal review is, is needed. Uh, this is an uh, online database of officer complaints uh, so that the public could uh, search a complaint history on a uh, um, on a particular officer or analyze trends. Again, we'd suggest legal review is needed. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with legal review and just waiting to see what they say. Agreed. Agree. Agreed. Okay, number six is that a copy of all complaints of misconduct shall be included in the police department's uh, monthly disclosures to the CPRB. Um, we currently disclose those on a uh, quarterly basis, um, and we do not have a problem um, moving uh, to, to, to monthly disclosures. So uh, if you're not familiar, obviously a person can, can issue their complaint with the CPRB, but they're not required to. They can bring that complaint directly to the police department and our supervisory staff would investigate that. So this is basically just information sharing back and forth on internal complaints that we would get. And, and again, we don't have a problem sharing those on a monthly basis. Um, uh, with a couple of these, one things we, one of the things we noted is that, you know, it's, it's in, in my view, probably a good thing to, to not only share where we're getting complaints, but we get a lot of compliments on our service too. And I think it's important that that, that exchange happen as well. We can talk to the CPRB if, if that's of interest, but um, I, I think, um, I, I personally think that would be a, a, a good idea. Um, so with this one, no legal reviews needed, no ordinance change is needed. If, if you're comfortable with it, staff will go ahead and reach out to the CPRB and figure out the best way to report that uh, to their comfort level. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, I'm comfortable. I think the idea of including the compliments along with the criticisms is just good for the public to have a little bit better idea of, 
of the broader scope of input that we get on our police department. I agree. Great. Okay, number seven um, uh, uh, is just a, a request for additional information um, uh, on our on the quarterly reports that we issued to the uh, to the CPRB. Uh, they gave examples of number of detained individuals, demographics of the detained individuals, total number arrested, et cetera. Um, we're happy to provide whatever information we can that's not obviously protected by any kind of confidentiality um, laws. And we think we can do this. We, we probably need to have a discussion with the CPRB first, just to make sure that we're understanding exactly what they want here. Um, and then we probably have some suggestions on other data that might be helpful to them as well. So um, as you know, we've got into this with traffic stop discussions um, you know, instances where there's a warrant and basically the officer discretion is taken away versus uh, charges that, that involve the officer discretion. I think that's going to be important to distinguish here. So again, no legal reviews needed, no ordinance changes needed. Um, assuming you're comfortable, we'll just proceed ahead and, and update our reporting mechanisms to the CPRB. I'm seeing majority shaking yeah. of it, maybe. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. Okay, um, the next one gets at the um, uh, ability to hire an independent auditor every couple of years to re review our internal investigations. Um, we, we do this already through our accreditation process and, and we don't object to a, a, another third party coming in and doing that. Um, that probably will require an ordinance change. Um, and that's another one where we can skip right to uh, an ordinance change, or if you wanna better understand what that audit looks like and, and have a discussion on that, we can schedule it for a work session. I think understanding what the current audit looks like um, would be helpful potentially, not only for counselors, but um, for the CPRB board, for them to understand that. And then I would say maybe take that uh, to them. Um, and then if, if, if that's um, acceptable to them, um, then this item, we won't have to discuss any further, but if it isn't, then you can bring it back to council. That would be my suggestion. The other suggestion that I would have is that it's um, maybe a concrete every two years, no, no more frequently than every two years, unless um, there is some, there's, there's a, the wording at the end, immediate procedural issue. If there is some um, specific issue that comes up that they're questioning a procedure that they, you know, could potentially figure out a way that they would have the authority to do that. But I think if you just, if we just kind of said it like, okay, this would be an every other thing, unless there's some major issue. And I don't know how you write that language that would, they would be allowed to do it more frequently. I agree with Susan. Okay, I think we can work with that. Um, I, uh, Chief Liston's on this call too, so Chief, jump in anytime on these um, if you if you think you can add something. Um, we'd probably want to try to if there's going to be a regular audit uh, done by the, the CPRB. My guess is we'd probably want to stagger that with the accreditation process because those are pretty labor intensive from our standpoint, just in terms of helping those auditors out. 
And I'm not sure we'd want to be doing two at one time, but those are some things we can talk to with the CPRB. And, and of course, Chief, jump right in there. I did have a, um, you know, looking at this internal investigation procedure um, for an immediate procedural issue. Um, so some, I mean, I, I just wonder um, instances when the CPRB thought that would come up. Um, it, could this be when, you know, something wasn't sustained that they, uh, it, it was, wasn't sustained because the, the chief um, cited different, you know, from what they concluded. Um, so does anyone have any thoughts on examples of when this might come up? I think the examples cited in the CPRB report to you um, were, were, were those that are done on a more, uh, let's say, regular basis. They weren't, uh, at least to my recollection, citing kind of procedural issues that would trigger it. Um, it was more just, hey, every two years, it's good to have a third party come in and make sure that we're above board when it comes to, to, to processing those internal investigations. And again, that something we're used to and we welcome. Okay, and, and that's what I thought I understood it. It was more, something more routine. And again, they may not be aware of what's already taken place, um, but yeah. Okay, we'll uh, keep moving with number nine. Uh, they're requesting a uh, budget to do more outreach. Uh, they also have some specific uh, um, examples of things they'd like to do, including um, printing the CPRB information on officer cards and things of that nature. Um, we we support this recommendation. Um, we can amend the budget um, this current fiscal year if they have plans. Otherwise, we can amend it for fiscal year 22 um, and, and provide them some outreach funding. Um, I think what we would probably do if you're supportive of this is go back to the CPR, CPRB and ask them to put together a, a, a promotional budget or a, an outreach budget and, and then um, allow them to kind of figure out what it is they think would be effective and then we'll consider their budget request at that time. I was glad to see that streaming their meetings is included in this. I mean, I'm a, I, I think we should be streaming as many or all of the board and commission meetings as we can. And, as many places as we can. So I hope that that can be um, prioritized as well. Yeah, I think that can be wrapped into the budget. We can we can give them some analysis on any kind of staff costs that may be needed and, and we can either factor that into our existing communications budget or um, they can include it in their budget proposal. The only question I had with that is when we're, um, so protected information and when you're live streaming a meeting, someone may say something that they probably, you know, isn't, isn't allowable uh, for the public. It's there's large sections of the, Mr. Mayor, there's large sections of the CPRB meetings that are an executive session whenever they're dealing with one of the, uh, a complaint or anything, that's something that, um, that even if one of us are in a meeting, we have to leave. We and we we can't hear it either. Okay. All right. So, thanks for that. 
Okay, number 10 is, is a recommendation that the city provide complainants access to a lawyer um, and a social worker or medical professional to uh, help them through that process. Um, we would suggest some legal review be um, done on this, particularly you know, in an instance where the city's hiring a lawyer that could end up in that uh, suit being brought against the city or our employees. Probably need to think through that a little bit. Uh, we, we don't have issue with access to social workers or medical professionals, and um, I think those arrangements could be made. Obviously, that there's some funding that's going to have to be provided to, to support that effort. Um, but if council is, is comfortable or would like to know more, we can kind of wrap that into the budget proposal. So this could be kind of a, a two-pronged approach. We, uh, approach. we can do the legal review on the uh, attorney side and then have them tell us what, you know, give us some more detail on what, what they're thinking and, and, and propose cost on the, on the social worker side. Getting some head nods there, okay. I'm comfortable. All right, 11 is expanding membership of the CPRB from five to seven or nine uh, with an emphasis on minority representation and uh, a, a law enforcement or police policy expert. Uh, this would require an ordinance change um, and uh, probably warrants uh, some discussion. I think staff would have a hard time preparing that ordinance change without some more discussion from council. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Yeah, I think that the premise of this one is good and whatever additional discussion we need to have to do it. I agree also, and I have no objection to um, increasing their membership numbers. Okay. I agree as well. All right, number 12. Um, is uh, deals with uh, anonymous complaints uh, or third party complaints. Um, when someone has um, uh, personal knowledge of the incident. Um, we understand, I think what the uh, what the CPR is uh, looking at here. Um, but also, I think everybody needs to understand if, if we can't speak to um, the, the complainant and, and understand that that it. it, it it, it may be hard to fully investigate um, the, the situation. So um, I think that's a, that's a complicating factor there. Um, and uh, you know, each, each situation is gonna be a little bit different, but obviously, you know, in all these cases, we like, to, we like to talk to the complainant, we like to talk to witnesses, we like to talk to everybody to do a full investigation. And if you take that one piece out, um, it makes it more difficult. Not saying it's impossible. Uh, uh, it's just a, 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 I don't know, an incomplete investigation at times, potentially. Well, it seems to me the supports that are suggested in number 10 kind of tie into this one as well. Um, and that, that maybe we can see if there's a little more, a better understanding we could come to as to how a complainant can be supported through the process um, and if that might address the I think the concern that that gives rise to number 12. I think it warrants further discussion. Yeah I think it warrants further discussion. I certainly hear the city manager's concern about the 
the potential inability to do a really complete investigation. Um, the addition, though, in the last number of years of body cams does, I think, allow us potentially to get information, even without um, the victim, the alleged victim, um, making that objection. So I would say it's worth further discussion at this point. I think we need to hear them. You know, I really would like to hear exactly what they they meant by that. Just like more information about this. Yep. And we can, if we schedule this for a work session, we can provide the full report again to you that has some more analysis. And um, I, I think that would help. I, mm -hmm. I think. I think. Actually, I didn't think of this, Jeff, when we were look, looking through these, but I, I think there's implications for the Peace Officers Bill of Rights, too, and how it defines complaints. So I'm going to need to look at that. Okay. Yes. Okay, so maybe we start with the legal review and then move it to a work session? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, the last one from the CPRB is uh, extending the statute of limitations to file a complaint from the current 90 days to 180 days. And, and we do not object to um, mm -hmm. that recommendation. I think that's reasonable. I agree. Okay, um, that probably, I didn't make this clear, but that um, Eleanor, I believe would be an ordinance change so we can, yep. we can lump that into the ordinance change. So um, you see, we've got, we've got kind of three tiers here. We have legal review, we have work session, we have ordinance change. Um, the, the legal review may, may take some time. Um, and obviously, you know, you've got busy work sessions. So I, I'm gonna suggest uh, um, that um, we can move forward with kind of a first round of ordinance changes for the items that you were comfortable with. And mm -hmm. then um, after legal review and after work session, maybe we do a second round um, of ordinance changes as needed um, yes. later in the year. Is that so? Expect kind of two, two changes to the CPRB ordinance and in, in potentially in, in 21. Does that sound okay? Sounds very good. Okay. Are we comfortable moving to the OIR uh, recommendations? All right, we have a lot more here. There's 39 recommendations here. Um, as staff reviews these, and again, these, these recommendations are to you, not to us, but as we review these, we think there's considerable overlap um, in a lot of these recommendations. So that's why you see here um, uh, oftentimes reference to, to another um, recommendation there. Um, in these cases, uh, I don't believe there's any that, that require legal review. This is more, um, going to be um, council action or, or staff action uh, types of uh, discussions. Um, uh, to, to remind you of the kind of the color coding we used here, all the CPRBs were green, which is we need some guidance now to get started, and you just provided that. Um, with these, we think there's a number of items that um, staff can initiate and bring to you or that staff can just go ahead and accomplish and, and report back to you on over time. So you'll, you'll see fewer greens in here, but um, 
please know if there's anything that's not green that you want to discuss first that that's your purview to do that and and we're happy to uh, we're happy to, to to facilitate that um so the the first couple um deal with mutual aid agreements with outside agencies um and uh, both local and um iowa uh, state patrol um we think in order in order to really update those those um, mutual aid agreements, we have to we have to kind of know where things stand with with a couple of our general orders, and that's our use of force and all hazards general orders. So those are the general orders that generally describe how we um, would respond to crowd control uh, crowd control incidents uh, for, for the uh, the topic that we're discussing. And what staff is suggesting is that um, we redraft those uh, orders with some recommendations on changes. Uh, we provide those um, uh, to council, and as a reminder, those also always go to this, all general order changes go to the CPRB too. Um, but once we know kind of the rules of engagement for, for our police department, then we can really go out and work on those mutual aids. I think it'd be premature to go out and, and start working on mutual aid agreements when we don't exactly know um, what final decisions you all may make uh, on those on those general orders. So that's why we're saying we need your action, but not quite yet. We'd like to present you with some recommendations for changes and allow you to, um, uh, to, to, to make any changes yourself before engaging those law enforcement agencies. That makes sense. Okay. Um, this uh, item three is um, one of them that we would like some guidance on before we get started. Um, and this um, uh, speaks directly to pedestrian activity on the interstate. So the recommendation is that we need to evaluate um, how do we respond to pedestrian activity on the interstate. Um, and, and this gets at mutual aid, but, but also just our own, our own staff too. Um, and, and I think we need to think of this holistically because we, we have situations in which you might have protesters uh, trying to access the interstate, but we do also get instances where you might have individuals um, that uh, for one reason or another are trying to access the interstate. So we just have to be careful and, and really think holistically about how we, how we draft these policies. Um, um, but we're gonna need some council guidance on that. That's a tough discussion that I think uh, you all are gonna have to have. Um, but we need some guidance on, on how you want your police department to respond when we do have uh, people trying to access the interstate. And, and one of the tricky things here is we don't unilaterally have the ability to shut down the interstate. It's not, not our jurisdiction. So um, we kind of have to keep that in mind. I don't expect you to have that discussion now. That's a, that's a, that's a, a tough detailed discussion that you need to have. Um, but that's going to be important for us as we update our orders and, and start to speak to our law enforcement counterparts about uh, changes to approaches. Jeff, I know you mentioned that you didn't think a lot of these needed um, legal review, but I just wanted to ask other counselors, I would find it helpful if we have some some pretty deep First Amendment analysis relating to protester activity. Um, I mean, and maybe even just some superficial analysis relating to that, but I think from my experience over the summer, um, I think there was a, a pretty wide understanding that, um, all or many of the activities that took place would have been protected under, 
current law. And, you know, I just think us having a really good handle on where that stands in the context of choices we would want to make for what we, what we might allow that, um, that we could craft more specifically would be helpful. But I don't know what other counselors think about that. I think that's a good point because I think, you know, there's, there's the first amendment and the free speech, but that doesn't mean you can do anything, anywhere, anytime that you want. So for those of us that are not constitutional scholars, which I think includes all of us, would I think be really helpful to have that better delineated before we try and get into that discussion. Because there, there are lines that people cross that they, they say and think are free speech, but by preventing them from doing it, you're really not preventing free speech. So I think we need a better understanding of those lines. Yeah, we have just, I mean, we, I'm sorry, Pauline. We're, That's okay, go ahead. I, I was going to say, and you can probably uh, reflect on this, Eleanor, is uh, I think uh, it, it, it kind of would frame a lot of the discussion on a lot of these items as far as um, the First Amendment rights and how it um, relates to protesters. Yeah, it does. For instance, I think later on in this list is, you know, I mean, <laughs> I think everybody would agree that force against a peaceful protester is not appropriate. Or uh, the big question becomes, and how does one define that, particularly when you have a group of people um, as opposed to individuals, et cetera. There's been, we've already started to, to dive into that stuff. There were some court decisions um, uh, when injunctions were sought against uh, police departments around the country uh, that that we've been looking at that I think can provide some guidance. So I, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think there's also at least one piece of legislation that's been working its way through the Iowa legislature. No idea at this point if the governor is going to sign it. No idea how legal it is. But I think we need to wrap that in as well when we're looking at it. And also, Elnor, are there legalities as far as the state and the DOT and actually shutting down the interstate that would also, uh, this would also involve that? I think it's pretty clear that the state has jurisdiction over the, over the interstate. How, how many times has the interstate actually been closed as a result of demonstrations or protest activity? Uh, in, in my tenure, John, about 10 years with the city, we've had two, uh, and both referenced in the OIR report. We had the instance uh, uh, shortly after the 2016 uh, presidential election, and we had last summer. I don't, those are the only two I recall in 25 years. Uh, you know, I just, a few, my thoughts on this as I was reading through them was, that um, you know, as a prelude to going out onto the interstate, you know, I would certainly hope, and it gets into some of the other recommendations that there be further negotiation among among the community in terms of the value of of uh, you know heading toward the interstate. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, as as the report noted, uh, if it's a choice between using munitions on our members of our community and shutting down the interstate. I think, you know, we, we've thus far we've landed on 
shutting down the interstate? Yeah, that's the easy question, John. Yeah. <laughs> we can't shut it down. Right, but yeah, again, I, I, I would hope this situation could be avoided in the future. Um, would you know would be one of my responses, but uh, yeah. Anyway, those were some of my preliminary thoughts. Yeah, there clear there clearly are techniques that I mean that can can be used to to help the situation. Yeah, we just uh, I really agree with John, uh, but we really need to know those techniques, Eleanor. <laughs> If we can have more information on those techniques, so we can come up with a decision about that. Yeah, you know, a lot of it is, um, it, 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 it's kind of what, you know, uh, what we're prepared for. You know, in 2016, um, we didn't have extra staff and, you know, we didn't expect anything with, with that, with that protest. It was a gathering on the Pentecost that, uh, that, um, you know, decided to, to head towards the interstate and we just weren't equipped to even get in front of the, the group and, and try to make that, uh, make that stop. Um, you know, at the, the summer's uh, protest after the, after the first night on, on June 3rd uh, of access to the interstate, we obviously had, had more people in, we, we were more prepared with, with concrete barriers uh, to, to, you know, set on the roadway um, to create a physical barrier. Um, um, so a, a lot of it's just going to be in the nature. Is it spontaneous? Is it planned? Is it, you know, um, that, you know, every situation is going to be quite a bit different, but we always have to anticipate that there's going to be another time in which it's spontaneous and we don't have the public work staff on call with, with, with concrete barriers. We don't have enough police staff, um, to, to, um, effectively control um, a, a crowd and prevent them from getting on the interstate like happened in, in, in 2016. So that's the tricky part of all this is, is that each, each night, uh, each day is going to be unique. Each circumstance is going to be unique and um, probably going to have a slightly different response because, because of that. Yeah, I mean, you'll see when I give you the First Amendment analysis, there are no, I mean, it is a murky, messy uh, decision making, and, and, and it becomes even murkier and messier when you're trying to make decisions ahead of time without knowing all the facts. So but we just have to do our best. Well, we'll provide we'll provide some legal review uh, from from the city attorney's office and then um, We'll jump into some discussions that you can you can inform us on on some policy drafting. If we're okay, moving to number four, uh, this is the one recommendation that that staff recommends dismissing. I, I believe that was the only one in this group. Um, this is uh, a recommendation that we uh, dedicate additional resources to gathering information from social media about community sentiment and activism and protest activity. We have, we have a lot of protest activity in Iowa City and we support that. I, I really don't think we need our, our police staff, you know, dedicated to monitoring social media every time we have a group that wants to gather on the Ped Mall or the Pentecrest. I just don't think, I, I'm not comfortable with that. I know our, our, our police department wasn't comfortable with that. Um, if, if things take a, a turn and there's, um, you know, there's property damage or there's other criminal activity or something like that, then we can dedicate resources to trying to prevent and stop that. But 
just as a rule of thumb to, to, to be engaged in trying to monitor that. While it could help with our preparations, we're just uncomfortable with that scenario. Thank you for that. I'm grateful to see that one not included. Okay, um, more proactive outreach uh, to protest leadership. Um, this will be uh, addressed in our uh, redrafted general orders. We'll, we'll um, make that expectation clear in those general orders. And there's several other recommendations that speak to this one too. Number six uh, is, is tied to that and, and it's using um, uh, crisis negotiation trained uh, uh, personnel to help in those negotiations and outreach to, to protest leadership uh, prior to deployment of force. Um, I think all our officers have a good baseline with their crisis intervention training, um, but, but our department is actively pursuing um, some specialty training on, on protest communications so that we can deploy those. I think given what happened across the, the country this, this summer, there's, uh, this past summer, there's, there's gonna be definitely an emphasis on this um, and we'll pursue those training opportunities and, and try to have folks that are um, kind of specialized in, in, in this type of outreach. So no council action needed there. Uh, the next one is uh, get set crowd control uh, policies. Again, this is pretty much the same recommendation restated and uh, we'll, we'll, draft, uh, we'll address that with, uh, with the general orders that the CPRB and you will eventually see. Um, eight, uh, again, same as, same as before, this just gets at specialty training uh, to, to um, uh, work directly with uh, protest groups. And, and as I mentioned, we're, we're pursuing that. Number nine is uh, those physical barriers we talked about just a little bit ago. Um, and obviously after June 3rd, we were able to use those in most of, of the instances that, that followed where we had uh, marches to the interstate. Um, uh, so we did have some positive experience with this, uh, uh, with this effort. And um, you know, that's not the police department you know, taking out those barriers. That's, that's our public work staff that we had on overtime in those days following June 3rd uh, to help take those barriers around. Emergency management at the county was very involved uh, as well. And uh, we're, you know, we're actively working to make sure that uh, we can spin those types of operations up uh, quickly if needed. Okay. Um, uh, 10 through 13, and if we want to go through them individually, we, we can, but what's left on this, uh, uh, this uh, page here is all uh, items that we believe need to be addressed in our, in our general orders. Um, and, and again, we suggest that staff present you with some recommendations and allow you and the CPRB to review those. Um, we will uh, also with 13 that, that gets a little bit uh, more at communication techniques. As you know, we'll have a public safety specialist in our communications operation here shortly uh, with the new budget um, that, that you authorized. 
and and certainly that position will will be dedicated in part to investigating these techniques um, uh, as well. And then uh, the police department is is actively uh, procuring additional sound amplification systems so that warnings uh, can be um, more clearly heard by larger groups um, of, of individuals as recommended in this report. Yeah, I, I would just add to that that after watching the videotape, it seemed that uh, some sort of visual messaging might be considered as well because there was so much just ambient noise that uh, you know the any kind of audio audio uh, form of communication didn't. I, it, it'd be hard to imagine it working uh, in and of itself effectively. Um, but in any event, yeah, that clearly was a breakdown. It was, it was obvious that no one heard the announcements. I do like the idea. Oh, go right ahead, please. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, I, I like that idea, John, because I, I hadn't thought of something like that. But definitely when I listened to those, watched and listened to those uh, body cam videos, too, when you listen to the people who gave the orders or were near them, it was very audible. But when you listen to the ones um, near the front line, it was not very audible at all. So that idea of a visual along with um, an audible warning uh, could potentially be very beneficial. I don't, I don't know what other areas do, but that'd be worth investigating. Yeah, I really agree with John because also for me, when I listen to you, I just still today, I believe that the protester never heard that they're going to be tear guided. Uh, you know, because you can hear it in the middle of the crowd, police crowd, but nothing was in the front. So we need to really improve that. I think we are, and I agree with everything that's been said. I would say we also have to realize that, you know, the people, beyond the front lines will not potentially be able to hear. Um, and so unless there is something that is going to be pre-planned and set up throughout, uh, which, you know, could be knocked over, whatever the case may be. But I, I think the reality is, is that the front line, um, just the fir first few lines will be able to see, which would be great, um, unless you can get it way up there, tall and high. Um, and only the first few will be able to hear. Yes, we can be creative somehow. Yep. And that's really what, what this is asking for, is just really try to be comprehensive and thought. We'll look at the visual. I, I, I haven't seen anything like that, but I'm, I'm guessing that we're not the first one to ask if there's some good visual um, cues that, that can be adopted as well. Just chime in, Jeff. I haven't heard any of those or seen any of those either, but I think it is a, a pretty good idea. I'm sure there's something, whether it be something like what uh, the DOT uses on the freeways or something like that. I think that's uh, that's a that's a great idea. And it seems to me this doesn't necessarily have to be a police-specific piece of equipment. I mean, if we're just talking about mm -hmm. being able to get a message that can be seen and heard by a crowd there, there, you know, it doesn't seem to me that that has to be a, a police piece of equipment and we may have other uses in the, you know, parks and rec department or communications for, for something that can communicate to crowds anyway. 
Right. I was thinking it could even be as much as like a band leader stand that they stand, you know, up there, up above the crowd and, and uh, can be heard better or seen better, uh, something of that nature. Okay. Um, 14 is, is uh, uh, territory we just, we just covered there. Again, clarity and communication, real-time social media, et cetera. Um, uh, we should review body camera footage after critical incidents, identify any remarks that are inconsistent with department expectations. Um, th this, is, this is standard operating procedure for us. I think where, where the confusion is on this one is that that internal investigation wasn't done after June 3rd. That's when we opted for that third party investigation. Um, but but we don't we do this routinely um, already as part of our as part of our existing general order process. So um, no further action is needed uh, on on that one for us. Um, number 16 uh, is. Um, a call for us to go back and review individual use of forces uh, uh, from the June 3rd event. And uh, the uh, police chief has already initiated that process internally. So that, that this one is already um, underway. Okay, 17 and 18 are the next two. Um, uh, 17 gets at the miscommunication that occurred between uh, the police department and, and fire and ambulance uh, on the night of June 3rd. Uh, there was a, a, a debriefing uh, in the days and weeks following the June 3rd event, and uh, staff feels very comfortable that those, you know, that, that debriefing was successful and, and, and that uh, those issues have been satisfied and we're certainly keen and, and aware of that situation, but uh, um, we don't feel like there's anything else that's needed that was that was already accomplished. 18 gets at uniform identification for officers and tactical gear. And uh, we concur with this recommendation and, and the chief and uh, captains are, are pursuing uh, officer identification on those tactical uniforms. I'm really glad to see this. I think this past summer we saw some really disturbing video and heard a lot of disturbing stuff, I think particularly out of Portland, of people being picked up off the street with people who nobody could identify what law enforcement agency they were with or if they were even with a law enforcement agency. And so regardless of how difficult or chaotic the situation, I think it is really important that members of the public can identify uh, the law enforcement agencies and individual identification of those officers as well. So I'm glad to see this. Yeah, I agree. The only place that I've been where, you know, that Portland, what we were seeing in Portland sort of reminded me of some countries I've served in where there's just, there's no accountability and you can't, uh, and there's no way to figure out what happened to whom. I think this is a really important step. Okay, uh, 19 gets at um, disorderly conduct uh, that takes place. Um, and, and again, we think that this, this will need to be addressed in the, in the updated general order uh, that, that we plan to bring back to, to you and CPRB. Um, 
parameters for use of force and deployment of munitions in the context of protest activity. Again, there's a lot of overlap here. This is what our general orders would, would get at. Um, we do want to continue to reiterate that, you know, the, the, whatever procedures are adopted are, are content neutral, right? I mean, it, it doesn't matter what you're protesting, your rights are the same. And so we have to, we have to keep that in mind um, when the time comes to review these general orders. Uh, 21 and 22, um, we put in those same, same categories too, um, actually 23 as well. We can go through them individually, but our, our feeling is that the, the general orders will cover those and, and we'll get into those discussions. Mm -hmm. um, a policy, a 24 is a policy manual on its website with a searchable function. We already have all our journal, uh, general orders on the website, but they're, they're not searchable in the context that, that OIR is, is requiring um, or is, is suggesting. Um, you can download a PDF and if you have the right software, you can search within there, but um, we're going to look at um, some outside vendors that can assist with this. Uh, our, our, we, current, we currently don't have the, the capability to do this with our, our current content management system on our website. So we've got a couple opportunities, either a third party vendor that can provide this type of service or as uh, we go through our website redesign um, that's in an RFP stage right now. If there's a content management system that can accomplish this without a third party system, we'll, we'll go that route too. Um, do you know where we are in the process uh, or w what is the time frame for that website redesign? I know Councillor Burgess, this is one of your <laughs> one of your pet peeves. <laughs> yeah, so we um, uh, as a reminder, the current website was de designed uh, uh, in partnership with the University of Iowa. Uh, we, we kind of um, piggybacked onto their content management system. Um, we have an RFP that's on the street right now. It's a request for proposals. So we basically said, we're going to be redesigning our site. If you are a website designer that has municipal experience, submit your proposals to us. Um, those proposals are, are probably due in April or May. I don't know the exact date. And then, you know, we'll, our hope was to select one by the start of the fiscal year, um, which is when the budgeted funds are available to actually conduct the work. So, um, that's a long process. Um, you know, I'd like to think we can accomplish it next fiscal year, um, but but um, it's probably we're probably twelve months out. If I had to guess, I, I think at least for me, I'm comfortable knowing um, that we'll be having a web uh, site redesign um, and and making sure we ask if that's something that they that they can do. Um, within within their process if not um then you know having a another third party assist would be appropriate yeah and what i think what the chief will, will go through is this process of saying what other what other value adds can a third party bring to it if it's just a searchable function then hopefully we can accomplish that through the content management system that, that we acquire um, but but there may be some other advantages to working with the third party, and, and that's something we'll just have to evaluate sure. over the next couple months. Sounds good. Okay, uh, 25 is another general order update. Um, this gets at uh, the annual training uh, curriculum and, and 
actually crowd control training and being more diligent about how frequent we are with, with that level of training. Uh, we certainly agree with that and, and we'll include that. Um, staff is already pursuing updates uh, to the tactics manual. Uh, so we uh, will update those accordingly. I don't believe there's any council action needed there. And 27 gets at the same thing. It's, it's not just Iowa City PD training, but is there metro or regional training on crowd control that can be pursued? Um, and, and of course that makes a lot of sense too. And, and, and we'll try to accomplish that. Uh, that speaks at, at 28 as well. Um, 29 gets at looking at case law um, and best practices related to protest activity. Crowd, uh, crowd management, um, and, and we'll certainly do that. We can do that through our, our network of other departments, but there's also some uh, good independent literature out there from non-police agencies on, on crowd control as well, and, and we'll consult all those uh, sources um, when, when um, looking at our, our policies and procedures. Just a question about this group that talks about best practices and, and crowd control. I mean, what's, can, can you articulate sort of based on the direction of the council that we've given so far, like how, how do we know what best practices are? Whose best practices are we adopting? Like, as I have some discomfort with the, you know, just the generic idea of best practices based on what we saw from departments across the country over the summer. Um, that I'm sure there are some cities that thought what they were doing was was reasonable, and obviously that would not be acceptable here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a very fair point, and uh, you know maybe the term best practices wasn't um, wasn't the best choice. I think I think the intent, as we see the intent here, best practices was was certainly OIR's uh, wording, um, but lessons learned, um, uh, new strategies, new adaptations. I, I think there's, there's already a lot of school of thought on, on these, uh, you know, based on last summer. So um, we'll, we'll certainly look, look out there to see if there was departments that had success, you know, um, uh, uh, in, in other ways. But uh, I think from, from our standpoint, we're wide open and, and, and whether that's trying something completely new that's kind of authored after last summer. I think we're open to that. Um, I, the, the bottom line is we need to, we need to kind of cast the, the, the net out there to see what the school of thought is uh, post 2020 on, on crowd control and make sure that we're doing everything we can to honor the, the council's and, and community's expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, many of the other agencies across the country are going through the same problem right now. Um, a lot of different agencies learned some hard lessons over the summer, including my former agency. So um, I think best practices are probably changing as we speak. So as Jeff said, I do think we need to cast a wide net and, and uh, with your count, with your guidance as a council, decide what we think the best practices are. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that too. I mean, I'll give you an example. Like one of the things we've looked at is a report by NYU School of Law called Policing Protests to Protect Constitutional Rights and Public Safety that was done in October of 2020. So there's a, there's a fair amount of literature, I think, that we can look to that uses the 2020 BLM protests as a, a learning tool. 
Okay, um, moving on, we have the final um, set of recommendations or final page. You'll see a lot of white on this page, which is us, again, basically saying we don't think any council actions needed, but by all means, um, jump in and redirect if, if appropriate. Um, the uh, 30 gets at the incident command structure and um, you know, um, making sure that uh, we have the training in place uh, uh, that's needed to, to fully implement a, an ICS. Um, Chief Liston's already initiated um, refresher training on incident command and we'll, we'll continue to do that. That'll be an ongoing emphasis uh, in the department. Uh, that's uh, also is I think 31, we believe is the, the same uh, action there. Um, establishing generic crowd management plan templates, uh, templates in advance of protest activity um, uh, may be helpful was the OIR uh, recommendation. Um, uh, candidly, um, we, we, we kind of doubt that this will help much because our experience is that every protest is, is um, very unique in its own way. Um, and there's some danger, I think, uh, in, in relying on a template and, and not, um, you know, uh, not kind of tying the hands of, of, your, of your department to, to respond to maybe some unique circumstances that they see if they feel like they're tied to a template. But we understand, I think, uh, at a more general level, what they're trying to get at here, and it's really preparation. Um, so, you know, some templates, I think we can develop some very general templates, but we certainly want to maintain the ability for our, our command staff to, to use their discretion um, um, uh, during, during uh, future events. So we'll, we'll pursue this, but just want to let you know we're a little, little lukewarm on that. We're not going to put a whole lot of stock in, into, into those templates. I just want to raise the issue again of the <clears throat> of the of the state legislature and and as again at least one of the laws that that I think is going to go to the governor's desk if it's not already that we'll have to factor that in here unfortunately. Yeah, the uh, appreciate that. Uh, we'll have to. That'll be an ongoing evaluation there. Um, 33 is the, and 34 are both incident command. Um, the um, you know command post location was criticized in the OIR report, um, and and we agree that you know there was there were some problems with that command post location, um, and there may be some other uh, other unique you know other facilities. Um, we, we did have, uh, I think normally in a case like this, you know, a, a facility like Jack could, could work really well for a command post location, but keep in mind that that was also the COVID command post site. So um, there were other, you know, as, as I said before, there's always unique uh, complicating factors and, and in hindsight, maybe there was a better location. Um, we'll, we'll give that some thoughts so that we have several different sites um, identified. Uh, 35 is the tactical channel for communication. Um, th these capabilities already exist um, and, and no actions uh, required there. 
you know, with 34 and 35, you can see in our, our comments, um, at times we felt some of the recommendations from OIR um, were, were, were really well suited for very large departments with lots of personnel. Um, uh, we are still a, a relatively small department, particularly when you have uh, activity that has hundreds of people on the street. Um, and so we don't always have the depth of supervisory personnel on, on staff at any given time uh, when it comes to making sure that you've got the right people out at, on the streets and the right people in command post. Um, at times, you know, we're still a small department and we're going to struggle with that. Um, but, but we do understand what they're, what they're saying here and we'll, we'll certainly work to make sure the right people are in the right locations. Uh, 36 gets at uh, tactical communications. Um, and again, we, we, we concur that one-on-one -on -one communications is ideal. Um, circumstances often dictate when that's possible and when it's not. Thirty-seven gets in that same kind of how are you communicating with officers on a tactical level? All that's being evaluated right now. We're exploring some alternative communication capabilities uh, there as well. I think we made the best. You know, we, we made do with the, with what we had and and made the best of what we had uh, last year. Um, the, you know, the command uh, number 38 is, is again, just who's involved in that command post or in that incident command system. Uh, and, and OIR's points are well taken. And, and frankly, we acted on those in the days following June 3rd. So it's really getting that who else needs to be at the table uh, when you're managing events like that, uh, bringing in fire, bringing in ambulance, th those, those types of uh, agencies as well. And, and that was done after June 3rd. And then 39 is the uh, communication specialist position. Um, you have already authorized the budget. Um, we're going, it's a new position and new positions require uh, specific council action to create as well. Uh, so in the, in the coming month, we'll probably bring you, um, off, you know, a request to authorize um, that position, which will allow us to, to go out and, and advertise and, and fill that position. So. You don't need to do anything now, but you will uh, eventually in a formal meeting have to vote on the creation of that position, even though you've dedicated the funds to it already. And Jeff, is that the position that is in your office? Correct. So that'll be a public safety uh, communications position that's housed in our centralized communication office, which is part of the city manager's office. Mm -hmm. uh, and they will serve both police and fire. Well, thank you for that, Jeff. Any other questions for Jeff on, on OIR? All right, so it's about uh, five minutes till six. I'm wondering how council is feeling. Do we wanna take a little break, like five, 10 minutes and come back and continue with police? Preliminary plan or what are, what are thoughts? 15 minutes to six, Meyer. Not five. It is 15 minutes till six. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Um, I certainly wouldn't mind doing the 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 draft on another work session, um, but the uh, and just leave it here for now for me. There's only so much of this that I personally can go through before I start zoning out. I think a little bit. Mm -hmm. I have to agree with John. I think that um, we went through a lot of intense <laughs> information pretty quickly. We know that it's very important to all of us. Um, and certainly I don't want um, my physical body <laughs> to, uh, you know, react to uh, the information. I want, I want to make sure that I'm at my best. So um, do, is there consensus that we can maybe create another work session to talk about the police restructuring. I would go along with that because I think it, it demands our full attention. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fine. I, I think given the number of uh, ones that the staff feels we don't need to act on, that they're either already doing things on or they combine, I think it'll be a fairly, fairly quick discussion, although certain items might take a lot more time. Uh, but I'm fine with putting it off to a, another meeting. I'd just like to schedule that so we know when when that's happening and yeah. lose, lose track of it. Yeah, that's where my mind went. And I was trying to think about our work sessions coming up, um, if it could be in a regular work session. Um, I, I, what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll meet tomorrow and maybe we can bring it back uh, at our next work session just to update the council. But yeah, can you give us update about what, the the public feedback on the restriction of the police? Yeah, so uh, just as a reminder, the, the, um, after initially discussing the report in January or February of this year, council asked for some more uh, public feedback. Um, I've reached out to a couple of folks in the community that I think could help us. Um, do a little deeper dive into into the community a little bit. So um, I've got uh, I've got some folks that I, I believe will be willing to contract with us uh, to to do that work. Um, the early feedback that I've gotten is that it would be really helpful to um, or really beneficial to have some in person meetings uh, for, to to help with this feedback. And that if we're just relying on electronic means, that it's not going to be as robust as as maybe we want it to be. Uh, so uh, I think we're optimistic that we could launch something in, you know, maybe May, June, July, and and uh, allow for some more in-person meetings, and then get you that feedback later uh, in the summer. Um, and you know that's a tricky thing with this because I, I don't want to presume that everybody's comfortable moving ahead, um, but I also don't want to lose time as well, especially when we're talking about alternative response models with expanding mobile crisis and. Um, uh, and, and, you know, 911 integration, th those tasks are going to take some time. And I, I really, I want to, I want to have those discussions with, with community partners, with other governments. Um, and so that's, that's kind of that balance I'm looking to get from council. This, this is a little bit different than the last two sets of recommendations that you went through because you're going to have to give us some guidance on what, what can you go ahead and do staff and, what do we really need to wait for more public input on? And and I and I want to respect you know your your guidance on that. So um, I'll work with the mayor and uh, Mayor Pro Tem, and and we'll try to get this scheduled at one of our regular work sessions coming up. And um, 
we'll go we'll go from there. I, I would just ask if other counselors are willing to maybe frame up that conversation with a more general, like big picture conversation or lead into it about like where we think we're headed and shared values and just kind of that sort of strategic planning element that we've touched on a couple of times in our work sessions. But for example, like the definition of policing and this conversation that we had in the budgeting process about, okay, so things like animal control and crossing guards are within policing. Is that really how we want it to be? And what does that mean for the public when we're you know, putting those under the umbrella of policing? Um, if we can have that conversation, I think leading in to give staff guidance on some of those urgent questions like Jeff was saying to not lose time on something like 911 integration. I would find that really helpful. I think it'd be helpful for the public. I don't know what other people think. I really think, yeah, there is some item we can talk about it without hitting the public feedback. But I really think that we need to hear the public feedback before we can pursue in many, many items. So I just don't want to say, okay, staff, we're comfortable about this, staff moving forward. And after that, the public will come and have different feedback. Yeah, I understand that there is certain things that even, you know, is, is just like, as you were talking about the animals, you know, shelter and all these kind of things. Yeah, there is certain stuff that we can talk about it. But I really don't want to like really, you know, hurry up and just start, you know, talking about this. This is historical change. And I think we are really doing something really good and we are making history here. And I, I just want to see that we hear the public feedback. We put a lot of money in translation. We hire people and we're doing that. Just like take our time in certain stuff. We don't need to hurry up and do this. Uh, that's really my insight. <laughs> Any other comments? Well, just uh, in responding to Laura, I think, you know, what I've been trying to focus on, and I, I haven't looked at the draft as deeply as I need to look at it, but I'm, I'm you know, there are certain, with respect to some of the things we've just reviewed, there are certain things which seem to be kind of internal, internally oriented in terms of the organization, say, of our police department and its relationships to other entities, things of that sort, where I'm, you know, not so concerned with hearing strongly from the community and the public where where there actually is that interface with the with the community and the public it's it's those recommendations that i'm most concerned with and you know how you know if you were to ask i mean this 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 thing came out um you know in sort of a, a very full-blown set of resolutions and i keep wanting to ask you know those of us who are really engaged in this so so what is it that really concerns you in terms of your everyday relationship with our police force and, and how can we improve that? And, and so that's how I really wanna to try to look at the draft, but also as has been mentioned, is there anything else there that we need to be considering that may not be in the draft? Uh, so that, that's where I kind of am at the moment. Um, 
but I'm glad we have two of these sets out of the way so I can uh, try to refocus back on, on the one that's left. Yeah I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, John. I also don't think this is going to be a closed process. Yeah. I and mean, I think that we're going to look at whatever, you know, this set and anything else we bring into it and what the public comments on, and then other things are going to come up down the line that we're going to continue to want to examine. I think it'll be helpful with the new chief in place, Chief Liston, and, and his impressions of these recommendations and his thoughts. Well, and I, I think a couple of really important points have been brought up. I think you know, John, you know, in terms of what we want and how we interact with the public, that I think for a lot of us, it's not just how we interact with the public, but more importantly, how do the people of color in this community, um, what are their interactions and their perceptions and, and their views and feelings and thoughts uh, in terms of interacting with the police department and law enforcement in general and making sure that we're addressing those in all the things that we're looking at and talking about uh, and Janice, as you're saying, this this is not a this is not a dead end kind of thing. This is this is a revolving door. We're going to keep going over this, and if if we do it right, it's something that we review continually. Um, and you know, as we get more public input, as circumstances change, we need to be you know reviewing this you know on an ongoing basis. Um, and from your comments, Laura, about kind of that bigger picture and how we look at that. Um, I guess I'm not entirely sure what, did I understand where you're going with that? And we can have that conversation later uh, as well. But I think, you know, as we look at our overall values, it, I think quite frankly that all seven of us are on the same page. Uh, the public may not believe that and the public may not agree with that with a lot of the comments they make. But I truly believe that the seven of us want to have uh, a police department, and I believe our staff does, that our, we want to have a law enforcement department that respects the public, treats people with respect, does not discriminate based on race, color, creed, sexual orientation, et cetera, whatever other you know, uh, qualifications or, or discriminations that you might have. And we wanna make sure that happens. And so I think as we go through these things that we looked at today in terms of whether it's additional training, um, outside um, auditing, et cetera, um, changes in general orders, I believe, I know that's what's in my mind and what's in my heart. And I believe absolutely 100% that that is what is in the minds and hearts of our entire council. I think a lot of people don't believe that. And I think the reason they don't believe that is because they don't necessarily agree with our approach. Um, so I think we can have the same goal in the end. I think we can have different approaches along that process. And what I, what I do find discouraging lately is the um, almost hateful speech that we are getting in our city council meetings um, and in the TRC meetings, um, simply because people do not believe 
in the same approach. So they want to, they want to, they want to tell the people how we feel and how we think simply because they do not agree with our approach. And I will push back on that today. And I will push back on that in every future meeting. And if necessarily necessary, I will start pushing back on that in media posts that do not try to tell the public what we believe and what we feel simply because you do not agree with our approach. And I think all of us need to keep reinforcing that because I do truly believe that all seven of us have the same feeling about what we need to have out of our law enforcement and what we need to have out of all of our staff as they interact with the public, even though we don't necessarily all agree on the approach. I'll leave it there. Any, any other comments? No? Well, I have to say, uh, Councilor Mims, thank you for the word, those words. Um, I think, uh, and I'll leave it here, I think that um, what's being said is not, sometimes we didn't even, for the, for the police, preliminary uh, plan to restructure the police, the only person that spoke about their position in December was John Thomas. Um, and I believe everyone else said, we're gonna wait to have a discussion. But then people began to define our positions when we haven't even shared them. So I think to the public, again, I, it is very, it's very important that we really do work together. This is not against, this, is, this should not be about counsel against the public. This is our city. We can work together. We really can. And so I do urge all the individuals that come to the council, please consider um, that we are not here to be against you. We are here to work for the people of Iowa City. Very hard decisions. This keeps me up at night. <laughs> it, it, it keeps a lot of us up at night, but we're, we're gonna get through it as a community. And I, again, thank, thank all of the council, thanks the pub, thank the public for your input as well as very important. I would like to add to what Councillor Mem said and uh, thank those people, those members of the public who have been supportive of us and have sent, uh, uh, spoken up or sent uh, emails, positive emails, I would like to thank them. If there's nothing else for today, we will adjourn and we will be back on, oh wait, two weeks from now. <laughs> because we have a fifth week this month. So, yes. all right, we'll see you all. Have a good night. Thank you all. Thank you. Hey, well, everybody. Bye. Good night. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.